Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. You've watched in the news recently, I'm sure, and heard the story of UT Chancellor Donde Plowman's communication with the NCAA on UT's behalf and uh, basically saying my words, not hers, but saying good luck enforcing a, a rule or a law that you never defined in the first place. And uh, if it ends up in court, we'll see you in court. But um, that, uh, that story at its core is a great example of legalism. <clears throat> it's a great example of I make the rules that you have to live by. And the rules I make are rules that are convenient for me that may not be convenient for you. Uh, and, and I'm defining those on the, on the fly. I'm defining those situationally in life instead of absolute truth. We've talked about these last several weeks, things to say no to. And we're going to look today at legalism. We've looked at saying no to temptation and no to intimidation and looked last week at saying no to revenge. And if you want to turn to Galatians chapter 5, we're going to look and see what it says today about saying no to legalism. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, and then verse 13. Verse 1 says, it, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ, you have fallen away from grace, but by, but by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the, for, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, five things today I want us to glean from this text that is uh, it's really rich. There's probably 25 things we could glean if we had the time, but we don't. So let's look at these five things today. The first of which is this, is that saying no to legalism frees us from bondage. It frees us from bondage. Look again at verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The reference here to slavery and freedom is the summation of the story of Sarah and Hagar that happens in the last part of chapter 4. He sums, sums that up by telling us that, that we are to be free. And that story is uh, as you know, was Ishmael was born of Hagar, who was a, a, a servant girl in Abraham and, and Sarah's home. And um, he was Abraham's firstborn, but was not the, the, the born child of promise. That was Isaac, born of Sarah some years later. And so as a result, uh, Hagar and Ishmael were banished, and Sarah and Isaac were blessed. So then by 
hanging on to the law. We're enslaving ourselves under the bondage that the law brings is what that story is trying to tell us. That's why we're encouraged to stand firm or in essence to say no to that kind of legalism, to the yoke of slavery that the law brings. You and I know the scripture to be the story of God's love for us, and it is that. Uh, his love for man, you know, you know it to be the guidebook for living, to be the roadmap of eternal life. And it is all those things. But this world, for the most part, sees this book as a, as a list of do's and don'ts. They see it as a list of rules. And there are some do's and don'ts in there. There's some rules in there. It, it is far more than that. It's far more than, than, than boxes that need to be checked and, and a list of rules. Uh, it, it contains that, as I said. But because the shed blood of Jesus, you and I are not to live under a list of rules. We're not to live under a list of laws. We're meant, as verse 1 says, to be free. Christ came to free us from bondage. Secondly, saying no to legalism not only frees us from bondage, but it should not be situational. should not be situational. Look at verse 3. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Every man who lets himself be circumcised is obligated to obey the whole law. Paul's trying to help these Galatians here, these Galatian believers, see that trying to cherry pick pieces of the law that's convenient for them uh, to observe or, or the, the parts that they approve of will only dig deeper hole of legalism for them to be under the obligation to have to live under day after day after day. Paul's saying here that the law is not situational truth, but it is absolute truth. It's not situationally applied, uh, but it, it's an all or nothing concept. If I'm going to live by one, I've got to keep the, the entire law. Uh, if, if we're going to observe the parts we agree with, we're going to have to live by the parts we don't agree with as well, is what he's saying. In essence, our, our rightness or our righteousness before God is based on our works, our deeds, our performance, instead of based on the finished work of Jesus Christ alone, uh, our faith alone in Christ alone. If legalism is new terminology to you, just think of it in, in terms of cherry-picking the parts of the Bible that I like the best or that fit my lifestyle. That's the part I'm going to live. The parts I don't like the best, that's the part I'm going to ignore. And Paul's saying, you can't have it that way. You're going to walk in the law, you're going to live by the entire law, or, or none at all. And so he's saying here that the Bible is encouraging us to stand firm and Again, against that kind of situational living, situational truth. Because saying no to legalism should not be situational. Thirdly, saying no to legalism means saying yes to grace. It means saying yes to grace. Look at verse 4. For you are trying to be justified, uh, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, some have used this verse to teach that a believer can lose their salvation and sever their relationship with Jesus, uh, thus becoming alienated from Christ and falling from grace. But notice here that it's their, their efforts, man's efforts to be justified uh, by themselves, justified by the law, that is what is alienating them from God. It's not anything God's done, but what man has done, not anything on God's part. In fact, Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that none of us can boast. So, if our works can't get us saved, then our works can't get us unsaved. You get that? 
If, if it's not our works that save us, <clears throat> then those same works can't unsave us. That's the work of God to seal us, the Holy Spirit says, with a righteous seal uh, that, that is for eternity. So um, this, this willingly abandoning the new covenant in Jesus is what, the, what, the, what Paul was pointing to. Abandoning the new covenant for the old and are stumbling over grace, selectively stumbling over grace to observe, uh, observe the law, observe the rules, observe the list of boxes to be checked. Grace and legalism can't walk together. They just can't. So if you try and bring them together, you're going to have a struggle in your life to live partially by grace and partially by the law. And, and many believers uh, try and do that oftentimes. Grace to the parts of the law that I don't like, <laughs> that I need to be forgiven of. And legalism from the standpoint of the, the, the parts that I can keep and do like and, and fit my lifestyle. I'm going to, be, to make myself feel better about myself so, because I'm walking in those, those selective truths. Uh, it's, he's saying here as well that, that grace unlocks the shackles of bondage to, to legalism and that the enemy wants to keep us in chain too. We talked talk last week about um, letting go of the past being a key to our not seeking revenge. And I think what he's saying here too in, in a lot of this text is that grace is the key that unlocks our, our ability to let go of the past. If, if, if we're struggling letting go and and we're seeing Satan bringing those thoughts and those actions and those deeds and those works back up again over and over again in our failure after failure and keeping us in bondage. He's saying grace is the key to unlocking the ability to let go of your past. And it is that and much more, but it is certainly that. Well, saying no to legalism frees us from bondage. It shouldn't be situational. It means saying yes to grace. But saying no to legalism also means walking by faith. It means walking by faith. Look at verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. There are two implied truths in this verse, or in, in that one phrase at least. The first implied truth is that we are naturally wired to count, to tally, to keep score. We're wired to do that. Why? Because we want to measure ourselves against the next guy, the next gal. How's my life measure up to his, to hers? Am I better? Am I worse? Do I, do I look my, more Christ-like? Do I look less, less Christ-like? So we're wired from, from, from the womb to count to, and, and to compare and, and, and to keep, keep score. The problem with that is that it implies the judgment seat of God is somehow some slotting scale of goodness and badness that we've done some, some, some level of works. And according to what the Scripture teaches, the judgment seat of God is not, there are no scales, friend. It's in or out. Do you know Jesus or do you not? That's what matters, not, not how, how well we've, we've lived. Should we live a good life? Sure we should. Should we seek to live a Christ-like life? Absolutely. But that's not what gets us into heaven, how well we've done or how poorly we've done. It is the finished work of Jesus and our, our knowing him as our Savior, having received him into our heart by faith. It's, uh, there's, there's no scale. Uh, but the second implied truth here, is that a loving faith trumps legalism every time. A loving faith trumps legalism every time. In fact, Paul says here that it's the only thing that really matters. It's the only thing that counts, he says, is faith expressing itself through love. Uh, that the depth of our faith will be expressed in an inexhaustible love, and each points to the other. Faith points to love, love points to faith. The evidence of our faith is seen in how well we love, 
And it's the motivation for our love rooted in a deep faith in our Lord. Uh, legalism and the works and performance that, that, that follows legalism, uh, follows after it, will never get us to that place. It is faith alone in Christ alone and that faith expressing itself humbly through love, he says here. Finally, saying no to legalism isn't saying yes to me. Doesn't mean it's saying yes to me. Look at verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another. So if I'm choosing not to live and walk in legalism, and instead I'm walking in the truth of the grace of God poured into my life daily, uh, then naturally a lot of freedom is going to come from that, and rightfully so. But freedom is not an absolute that comes from laying down the legalism. It's what we do with and how we handle that freedom in, in the daily choices that we make. Sadly for some, that kind of freedom is interpreted, interpreted as I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, with no accountability on, on, on the tail end of it. That's not, a, not at all what he's talking about. Knowing that human tendency is there, Paul the Apostle warns us against giving, to, giving in to our own flesh, our own desires, our own sinful nature, our own self, me, me, me. And in contrast to that, he tells us to make the most of freedom by putting it to work, by putting it into service. He says, packaged in humility and in love. So rather than working our way into good standing with God through legalism, we instead are called to serve one another in love. Why? Because it's impossible to be on the throne of your life calling all the shots in your life and willfully and humbly serving one another at the same time. You can't do both. If we're going to be a servant, we can't be the one on the throne. If we're going to be the one on the throne, then we're the ones to be served or, or, or feel that way. Yeah. So as it pertains to legalism, some of you would ask, what's, what are you talking about legalism? What, what's, what's an example of what, 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 what you're saying, Tim? And here's a simple one for you that many use in our day and time in, in, in the church age is church attendance. Many will look at our, our own attendance and I'm here every Sunday, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful, I, I throw something in the offering plate, I sing the songs and worship God. And Shame on them suckers that don't show up on Sunday. Where, what, what are they doing? Why can they not get their life together? Or even worse, the, the Christmas ornaments and the Easter bunnies that just show up on those two. What's wrong with those folks? Why don't they love God as much as I love God? Why can't they be here when, the, when, when it's time for church? Uh, and so that, that sense of self-righteousness that church attendance brings, and I'm going to tell you where that comes from. It's straight from hell. It's the enemy himself that says you're better because of that. You're better because you're in this seat this morning than, than the ones who are not here today. That's no, no doubt the work of the enemy because we are no better and we are no more loved because we're here than they are. In fact, uh, God leaves, the, the, the scripture says, left the 90 and 9 to go retrieve the one that was lost. So if, there's, if, if we're divining value, the one, that, the one that's out there that's not in the seat today is the one that is, is, needs to be valued more for sure. But it's, it's this, this whole idea of, of our mindset. And, and when those folks that aren't here today who are maybe here periodically come back in those doors, what they need to hear from you and I is, man, where have you been? What's wrong with you? They need to hear, 
I'm tickled to death to see you here. Or something to the effect of this body is not whole without you here. You're part of this body. And we, we need you to complete what God's trying to do here. So uh, restoration and redemption is, should be our goal and not, certainly not judgment. Just an example. So what's the application here, Tim? How do, we pl- how do we plug this into our life? What's the takeaway? Here's the observation. When legalism has been comfortable, has become comfortable to carry, it's hard to lay down. We've developed, when we've carried legalism so long around our neck, regardless of what, what you feel better about yourself for, when we've carried that around our neck for so long, that the yoke of slavery that he describes here in verse 1, it becomes a burden we get used to carrying. We think it's just a normal part of life, and it isn't. It's still a burden that we're carrying, which brings me to the second observation, and that is we need to remind ourselves that we're still carrying it and lay it down. As, as I said, it may be that we've carried that for decades. It may be that we've become so, it, it's become so common and so, so mundane to us that we don't even notice it anymore and we need to be reminded by scriptures like this. Yes, it's still a burden. Lay it down and pick up freedom and put it in its place. Uh, it's, it's still a burden that need, we need to recognize that whether it's comfortable or not, we need to recognize it for what it is and lay it down because we're not called to live that way. You and I are called to live in freedom, not bondage. You and I are called to live in victory, not defeat. You and I are called to walk with, with uh, enough grace in our life that it needs to be poured into the lives of others by serving and loving them humbly, he says in these verses. Serving one another out of humility and out of love as opposed to feeling more self-righteous because we're here and they're not. Or we give and they don't. Or we read and they don't. Uh, Shame on us for, the, for allowing the enemy enough of a foothold and stronghold in our life to feel better about ourselves for one, one, one jot or tittle of the law that is better or seemingly more insignificant to us than, than it is someone else. Uh, legalism is a chokehold. The enemy, if, if you allow him to, will, get, will use it as, as a chokehold in your life to keep you in bondage. Churched, serving Jesus, is still in bondage to it. If we're willing to lay it down and pick up the freedom that God has in its place, we'll start to see those that aren't here, those who are wayward, those who are away, those who are running, those who are, are, are in a place of disobedience, those who are in a valley, in a place of hurt, that don't feel worthy to show up in church because of the hurt in the valley they're, they're walking with and carrying around. Those who are mad at God, those who, who are, again, astray for whatever reason, you need to begin to look at those kind of folks and say, God loves you. I love you. How can, how can I pour grace all over your life? How can, I help the, how can I help you push back the enemy? How can I walk with you through a dark place, a low place, and help you push back the enemy and his influence in your life to where you see yourself through the lens of grace than through the lens of the law? See yourself through the lens of victory than through the lens of defeat. See yourself through the lens of freedom and the lens of a burden. That's a choice we make, friend. I want to encourage you to lay that down today and pick up freedom and replace legalism with it. Let's pray. Father, the rightness or wrongness of our heart this morning has a lot to do with how we were raised. It has a lot to do with what we've been taught. 
But it has a lot to do as well with our own apathy and our own, our own ignorance of what the Scripture has to say. Because the more we dig into it, the more we chew on it, the more we eat it, the more we digest it, the more we apply it and live it and walk it out, the more we see you didn't intend for us to live in, in the bondage of the law. You didn't intend on legalism guiding the steps and the decisions and the pathways of our life. You intended for us and intend for us today to walk in freedom, not in bondage. To walk in freedom, not under the thumb of the enemy that wants to keep us enslaved, keep us burdened, keep us thinking this is as good as ever going to get for you. He's a liar. He's the father of every lie. And help us to see him today for what he really is, to push back against him and replace his legalism, replace his burdensome, yoke of slavery to, to, to replace the weight that he's placed on our shoulders with the freedom that grace brings. Grace looks at freedom, looks at legalism and says, no more, no more. So today, would you teach us to walk into the truth of your word that says we're free from that. We're free from that kind of bondage, free from that kind of influence, free from that kind of selfless, selfishness and live and serve and love one another. That's what counts, he says. It's faith lived out in love. Teach us to be those kinds of people, have those kinds of motives, dealing with hurt, dealing with pain, dealing with suffering, dealing with loss in ways that help us understand each other's burden, each other's pain, each other's loss, each other's valley, as opposed to standing off and praying for them from a distance, saying good luck with that. He just to engage each other as a body, to be redemptive, to be restorative. And uh, as we do that, we look more and more and more like Jesus. Walk us in that way today. Give that, make, make that to be the hunger of our heart tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.